can I say, even as I start this morning, I don't know where we, we're going to go. I don't know if I've got the, the strength to go where I want to go, but I want to say this, that God has been given such a bad rap in the world. That was Satan's plan all along, that he loves you and I so much, more than I can even explain. When I encountered him and God called me into ministry, I felt one mandate over my life, and that was to make sure that every person that I ministered to would know the love of God, that if they could understand who he was, it would change their lives. I never had, ever had a mandate to try and tell people they're sinners. I just had a mandate to tell people that he loves them so, so much, and that he so desires to be with us and to dwell with us and and when I took the lenses off, the wrong lenses of this God who hated and, and man was evil and who wanted just to whack him, when I took those off and I started to realize the whole of the Bible is so full of the love of God from beginning to end. And, and I guess our heart's desire as elders of the church is to bring that revelation to you as best as we can. And I pray that we are on a journey of doing that. Because I want to say this, right from the word go, when, when COVID hit and, 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 and there was a whole bunch of regulations and a whole bunch of, of um, requirements and lockdown, I knew that the enemy's plan was only one thing, and that was to stop us from gathering together. Because it's just key in encountering the love of God. It's not about man and all, so we, we, we are going to stand because we want to do this, that, and the other. We're not a club. We don't gather together to do a whole bunch of duty and routine. We gather together because it's where God comes and encounters us. You and I are the temple of God. But the church is also a living temple. And when we gather together, he comes. It's his place where he comes and encounters man. And we help one another. Because we don't always have good weeks. Sometimes it's been a tough week and I come. And others who are around me are just entering in. Just loving him and his presence just comes. And as his presence just comes, it swoops me up. Whoop. And, uh, and I'm in his presence. And that's why we need one another. That's why we, we have one another. Because the reality is, friends, what you see here, as magnificent as the specimen is. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's just my dad coming out, sorry. As, uh, <laughs> my other dad is coming out now. And that's, I'm a spirit. And guess what? God is a spirit. And when I encounter him, I don't encounter him with the scar. I encounter him with this guy who has a soul that God created for me so I can feel that I can touch. Heaven is not some abstract place. You know, as a church, I find it fascinating a lot of the time. People kind of get into some kind of weird thing about Holy Spirit and about heaven. It's why we're studying Revelations. It's all coming together for now. As I always say, I said, one thing that Revelations promises, if you read that book, you will go to heaven. And that's a tongue-in-cheek, because 
not about you're going to get saved. If you read the book of Revelation, it's about that it takes you to heaven. And heaven is a very real place. We must understand that everything that we see here was created from that realm. And that God actually says this realm is temporary. The things that you and I see that we bank on, that we look at and everything, it's temporary. That's actually the permanent place. And from that permanent place, which you cannot see, this was created. And what we are doing is looking into that place and creating here what is in that place. Not creating it based on our own little thinking. Even though our, our hearts might be right and the, and, the, and the purpose might be right, if you don't do it God's way... David, when he brings back the ark, his heart and everything was right. That's why it broke his heart. Uzzah just happened to be in the process. And I think David just, it just, it, it broke his heart that, that, that he would be, it would cost Uzzah his life. But it was never meant to be carried on, 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 a, on a, a cart. It's meant to be carried on our shoulders. And you have to do it God's way. Um, or it's, he's not going to come. And so we look and we see in heaven the throne, a real throne, real God, real people surrounding the throne, 24 elders. And David sees something. Because you know what's so beautiful when you read, and I, don't, I won't go into the whole, because I was going to just go into a whole bunch of stuff. I love teaching. Because I find the Bible so fascinating for me. There's so much in there that we don't actually know. <laughs> that it just fascinates us and goes, goes wow. And like, did that really happen? Yes, it actually really happened. Do you know that David was so scared of one particular king that he pretended to be insane out of his mind? He, he throthed like foamy, like he had rabies. And he scratched it's a beautiful story. <laughs> but you're not going to hear it this morning. No. But when we come together as the people of God, a group of people that understand and know who we are, and we know what our Father is looking for, He's looking for worshipers that will worship Him in spirit. And in truth, what is God looking for? He's looking for worshippers. What did David realize God is looking for? Worshippers. Everything changed. See, there are, two, there are two major themes in the Bible that we, we need to grab hold of. We need, we, you, can, you can follow the trail from the beginning all the way to the end. One is salvation and the other is the temple. Salvation, you can see Jesus all the way through these pages because they go together, salvation and the temple. And Jesus, right from the very beginning, was trying to get us to that place of understanding that God's heart is to dwell with man. To dwell with man, you can only, we can only be in his presence if we're righteous. So there's a journey of salvation throughout the whole Bible. But there was also a journey of the tabernacle, the, the temple, or the sanctuary, whatever words you want to use, which in simple terms in Hebrew, it just means a dwelling place. It's, a, it's like it's a tent. It's a, it's a home. It's God's home. God wanted to come and make his home with us, 
And you can only do that if we are righteous. So there's a whole process that takes place. And we, we've been trying to unpack that to get to this place of David's tabernacle, which is key in all of the whole process. And since I'm going there and it's my favorite, I'll just, I'll, I'll just jump back to the garden again. But there was such a beautiful picture right back then of, of Eden and in the east of Eden, there was this garden. And the garden was the temple, the sanctuary, the tabernacle, where God came and dwelt and walked with man. And they had this interaction and this moment, spirit to spirit. And in that place is where spirit and the natural operated together. It was a beautiful place. And in that place where God dwelt where God moved in, with man in the garden, right in the center of the garden were two trees. There had to be two trees because he had to give man choice. There had to be choice because he wanted man to know love. And he is love. So he wanted man to know him. John 17, this is eternal love. Friends, right now, we are experiencing and walking in eternal life because we are getting to know Him. So He made choice and He made these two trees in the center of the garden. You could eat of the other one. You had a choice, but He said, don't eat of the other one. You have to eat of this one. And as long as they were eating of this one, which was the tree of life, they were, they were experiencing and walking in eternal life. They were knowing God. The minute they chose to eat of the other tree, they were removed out of the garden. Not just a garden, not a location. They were separated from God. They were separated out from His presence, from an encounter and a flow from the Spirit and the natural working together in union. That's why Paul, when he talks about the church today, the church is a place of spirit and natural union where man comes and he flows and in those days in the early church, the presence of God was moving and flowing, and so there had to be order, because people were shouting and doing a bunch of stuff. There had to be order so that the spiritual realm and the natural realm would be able to flow in unison together, otherwise you'd have chaos. See, it was a church, it was a place where the presence of the Lord came, where Holy Spirit dwelt. The key was Holy Spirit because everything that was moving and flowing was through Holy Spirit. That's why there's gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's why the fruit of the Holy Spirit could manifest. You and I cannot be faithful without Holy Spirit. Because guess what? Faithfulness is a fruit of Holy Spirit. Guess what? Your life has to be filled with Holy Spirit in order for you to be able to do all that God's called you to do. So I say all the best if you're going to do it by yourself. I surrendered. But that was what the church was. It was a place of encounter of God, spirit, the two realms operating together. You can see throughout the Word of God. In fact, this is just for going and study it. In fact, those realms, it got so, so messed up that the realms of the spirit, the realms of the natural, there was because of, of Lucifer and his angels, there were demonic angels that actually 
came into woman and created a whole different... It's called the sons of Anak. Anak. I know this might seem weird to you study. It's in the Bible. There are a group of, 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 of spiritual beings that are already locked away. Did you know that? It got quite... It got so demented, actually. But it was those two realms that were operating. God always wanted them to operate together. If you didn't know, if you could just go look at the end picture, you'll see the end picture is it's a new heaven and a new earth together, operating as one. Amen? That's why what you see here, this is just a tent. This is a physical thing. I'm going to give this up, this corruptible thing, for the incorruptible. Jesus had to say to Mary, don't touch me. I still have to go. So when he came back and he said, now look, touch and feel, he was in his new suit. <laughs> Amen. This, this realm is very real. You see, if we don't understand this, it's not weird. And when we come to church, when we come together as the people of God, we come together as the temple, that is a place where those two realms begin to flow. And you can allow that to flow too because you are also the temple in your own life. So it's not weird. That the spirit realm begins to minister, that people begin to do some strange stuff. It's not weird, church. It's only weird to those who don't understand that realm. It's only weird if they're not in that realm but operating from the flesh. Then it's weird. But God is, is wanting us to be a place where He can come, where He can meet with us, where He can minister, where, he can, uh, uh, where the Holy Spirit can operate in the full uh, power of his, all His gifts. His gifts. Amen. Someone's just looking at me. <laughs> Let me just say this. We go back to the garden very quickly. There was choice. Can I say this? The minute they chose not to have the tree of life as in the center, Baba Garden. I don't even know how to explain this. This is not about sin. This is about the center of the garden. The devil decided, okay, let's make it about sin because a man, because that's what he loves. His default is always trying to do this thing on his own journey. And then what God did is, is throughout the Bible, he, he, he has, now I'm teaching, he, he's, um, he had five different major covenants in the Bible. We talked about that was the Adamic covenant. Then we have the Noah covenant. In the Noah covenant, in simple terms, man was so messed up and so depraved, God shut it down. So he had to make another covenant and say, listen, I want to restore back the blessing of creation. But that's how debauched man can get. As in the days of Noah, so it will be in the last days. This earth is desperate, desperately crying out for the sons and daughters of God to arise. They are men and women who understand the realms, understand when they gather together, they encounter God and give Him place, a tabernacle to come and to be with them and to move and to walk with them. And it's from that place that the light of God is expressed into all the world. And the gospel is then goes to the outer reaches where the glory of the Lord starts to cover the whole earth. We're right in that place right now as the debauchery and as man is just losing his way uh, in, in all arenas. 
so the church is arising to shine in the midst of deep darkness. Prophetically, it's, it is the time, it is the hour right now that's happening. Um, and then after the, the Noah covenant, we see the Abrahamic covenant, which is a beautiful, just again, epitomizing the picture of what God's trying to show us all the time. He takes a, a Iraqi pagan worshiper, the furthest thing from righteous, and, uh, and just says to him, listen, this is what I want to, I want to bless you. This is what I want to do for you. And Abraham says, really? That's awesome. I believe you. And God says, okay, I count it to you as righteous. You become my tabernacle. I'll go and talk to you. And then you watch Abraham not having it all right, messing up, lying, conniving, doing a whole bunch of stuff, but God just blessing him, blessing him, blessing him. Because he had faith in God. Faith in what God had said. And then you see the journey. Man decides he wants to can I just say this too? Let me drop that out there just for fun. Um, when, in, in, if you go and study in Genesis 15, I think it's around about 15 to 20, somewhere around there. When God cuts covenant with Abraham, guess what? He does not cut covenant with Abraham. He cuts covenant with himself. He puts Abraham to sleep. The Abrahamic covenant, by the way, was still in existence all the way even to Jesus' time because Jesus would call them a daughter of Abraham. When they reached out and dared to believe, even though they were under the Mosaic Covenant. Abrahamic Covenant was a picture of Jesus. Because when God cut covenant, He didn't cut covenant with you and I, He cut covenant with Jesus. So the Abrahamic Covenant, I don't know if I'm going too fast, but just... Um, and so now you've got all this freedom. God wants to, as long as you will just trust me, as long as you will know man decides God wants to come down. We've sh shared about it. And Moses comes down. They go, no, no, ooh, you, you go up. You do the thing. We don't want to. We'll do it through a man. Um, and that's not, not what God wants. So God says, okay, here, well, let me, let me um, cut a covenant with you to explain and to understand um, what you really need. It was a depiction of appointing to Jesus Christ. So what did the, the, the mosaic or the temple of Moses really depict? Temple of Moses depict God being concealed. And there's a whole bunch of hoops that you have to jump through to actually get it, and only certain people can get in. And so what it did is brought, brought a cry of the heart of man saying, God, we can't do this thing. You need to help us. That was the point of the whole exercise. And then David comes along, and when David came along, the presence of the Lord, the ark, had been nearly a century away from Israel. Friends, when you study in history, I cannot even fathom that for a hundred years nobody thought about the ark. And when you look and you study in the Bible, you find out that the Philistines did not enjoy the ark. They were getting clapped. <laughs> they were getting judged. They were so grateful when it was, hey, listen, time to go. In fact, the oxen who actually really wanted to stay at home with their little bubbies, um, when they were hooked, hooked up to the ark, they just mooed, mooed, and they just, they didn't have to tell them, they just went in the direction of Israel. I've got to go to Israel. Sorry, you've got to go to Israel. They just went there. And isn't it amazing that 
the, God allows the ark to be transported on a cart by the Philistines. Not by the people of God. It's, fa- oh, it's fascinating me that. Anyway, we know, we know the whole story of, of how David's whole plan and whole desire was he had to bring his presence back where? Back into the center. The temple. God's presence at the center. That was David's whole desire. And what I was going to do this morning, which I won't, but I'll quickly share this, is that um, when you look at the life of David, is, is it depicts for every single one of us, as the people of God, what we need to bring him into the center, a heart that's after God's heart. And so you've got to look at David's life, but you've got to understand that here's a, a young boy who's somewhere between 10 and 13 years old. And one Samuel, I think it's around about 13, God has already seen that he's a man after God's own heart. He's seen David. David has been already, he's rejected by his family. Um, they don't even honor him or give him any place in the household. He's, he's the, the lowest. He's that guy out there looking after the sheep. But man, he's sitting there with his little sheepies around him. Going, okay, boys, we're going to sing now to the Lord. Everybody together. Ooh, Jesus, plong, plong, whatever on the harp. And just loving God out there, even though life was throwing him curveballs, he was loving Jesus, just honoring him. And can I tell you in a short, quick version is that when you encounter the Lord and when you begin to grow in knowing God, you will often journey through disappointments and discouragement and challenges in your life. They are vital for the day when you will be blessed by the Lord. Because if you will not let the discouragements move you, then you will not be moved when you get blessed either. Because that's what happens. You see, David was journeying through, and God was just always just working. A man after God's own heart. He was, he was just out there, just unknown by everybody else, not even invited to the, to the major party when, when Samuel comes to town, all of that. We know the story. Hopefully you know the story. He gets anointed by um, Samuel, um, anointed as king. He's probably around 17 years of age. He suddenly, at 17, the Spirit of the Lord's now upon him. He goes out. He suddenly has this, this strength inside of him to look and to identify Goliath as not a man who is coming against people, as a man who is coming against God. He was standing in the authority he had in God, not in who he was. David was a small guy. In fact, in relation to the rest of his family, he was, he was not, not even in their category. But he had been with God. See, you can be strength and you can be, have great self-worth and you can be trained and taught and pick up 100 kg bags. But I'll tell you this, when life throws something at you, you will fail. The only thing that will cause you to succeed is Jesus in him. And you see, he realized that out in the little in the fields there. So when he came against Goliath, he wasn't coming in his own ability or his own strength. Yes, he had been training quietly while he was there. There was lots of time on his hands out in the fields <laughs> while he was watching. So he had, you know, been practicing to hit and split the hair of his sheep. He was very accurate. 
Those sheep were very confident. And they put an apple on their heads and he was... <laughs> he was so gifted. Um, so he was gifted. He did train. This is not taking away our, part, our, our God leading us with training and all of that. I'm, what I'm saying is he had such a confidence. What happened, he was launched so quickly from that moment where he would just be invited to the king's court to go and play a little bit for Saul who was, had demonic oppression every now and then. Suddenly now... He was thrust into the limelight, as it were. Suddenly now, because he'd been promised a wife, and suddenly now he was invited into the king's court. Suddenly now he was no longer going to be in Bethlehem. Suddenly he was now Gabir. He was going to be at the household of Saul in the, the capital, the governmental capital of the country. He was in the courts of the king family. He was now going to be tight son-in-law, all those kind of things. Suddenly he was given um, a high priority in the army, Little David, all these things happening. He's like, whoa, Lord, this is awesome. Yeah, baby, time for me to shine now. And he's going out and he's doing a whole bunch of stuff and, and he's being successful because God's blessing him. And then the people are loving him, the whole city, and everybody loves him. And then he's coming back from conquering. And yeah, and everyone's going, yay. And, and Saul's coming back. He was one of those battles he went in as well. And he's coming back. And then the people are all going, yeah, yeah, Saul has killed his thousands. And Saul's going, yeah, that's great. I'll probably kill about three, but um, I'll take these people's praise. Awesome, yeah, a thousand, whatever. And David has killed his tens of thousands. Hold on a minute. Suddenly Saul, suddenly worried. David isn't even paying attention. He just loves that he's part of this beautiful moment in history where he's invited into this. And what is... Saul gets jealous. I'm going to shortcut very fast. Saul gets jealous, and he has to duck and run. It's like, really? You promised me I'd be king. <laughs> now I'm running. And he gets, long story, he gets invited back. He does a whole bunch of stuff. He has to go through a whole lot of failure, David. Let's call it that. A whole lot of failure. Um, one of the, being a madman, um, the other one, he lied at the city of uh, Nob. It's, uh, it's a priestly city. Uh, Ahimelech, the priest there, says, why are you alone, David? He goes, no, no, I've been sent on the king's business. Actually, you came there because he was very hungry and he needed some weapons as well. And anyway, Saul finds out whatever and he kills 85 priests. You've got to understand this man's life. Why am I telling you this? It's not an easy life that he went through and he wasn't a good little boy. But I'm fascinated that he was a man after God's own heart. The first thing I've got to realize is that he's a man after God's own heart. That doesn't mean he didn't sin. It meant there was something inside of him that was so powerful that God said, this is a guy I want to work with. This is a guy that God would invite always to come. And the Bible says he would come into the presence of the Lord and he would sit down and we'd have a chat. Because one thing do I desire, one thing. I want to be in His presence all the days of my life. So I can do two things. I want to gaze upon His beauty. And I want to inquire. I like asking questions. I want to ask the Lord. I believe I was sharing this with Con. I believe David saw the beginning. He saw the end. He saw the incarnate Christ. And everything in between, David saw because he came and he sat right there in the presence of the Lord. Can you imagine? Just sitting there in His presence. So powerful. He understood what it meant to bring God back into the center of his life. 
Worship, friends, are, is vital. It's absolutely key. You can come this morning. You can be sitting here. The key thing in God's heart as He looks at you, man looks at the outward. You can do all this stuff from the outward. The man's looking on the heart. Is he being worshipped? Is he in the center of your garden? Is he in the center of your life? You see, because David, he, when he would fail, and friends, he failed many times, he would run back and say to you and you alone, Lord, have I sinned? I've tried to move me back into the center. He was, he was so after putting God and giving God his rightful place, friends. When we come, this isn't some little light thing when we come on a Sunday, just to slack and we sing Kumbaya and we're going to hear something, whatever. This, we come together because we come to make sure we exalt Him in His rightful place as King, as Lord. He is the all-sufficient one in our lives. Nothing else matters. Nothing else will do. It's not just songs. That's, that's all the heart. That's why you'll see with David... What he sets up is 288 singers. Guess what? 24 families. Oh, I think I've seen that number before. 24 elders, 24 families, 12 in each family, 288. By the end of his reign and, in the, and, and going into Solomon's reign, there was 4,000 singers. <laughs> he wasted, when he did it, he did it well. Um, I'm waiting for Tal. I'm not going to. I want to get to David, his heart. See, the restoration of the tabernacle, David, in its essence, is to bring God back to the center. It's what David wanted to do in, in, its, in its simplicity. It's, it's, it's a little more than that, but it, in its simplici simplicity. Can I say this? The church has taught duty, not delight, is the way to glorify God. David, Psalm 37, verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord. Psalm 100, verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness. Philippians 4, verse 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. Psalm 63, verse 3, the steadfast love of the Lord is better than life. So if you're talking about life, then that's everything, all of life, everything that life has got to offer us. The love of the Lord is better than all of that. Asaph, which was one of the three um, leaders of, of worship, which was Heman and Jeb Jebuthan, the other two guys, um, he wrote a psalm and he said this, Who have I in heaven but you, O Lord? Psalm 73, 25 and 26, you probably should read that, it's beautiful. In Psalm 16, verse 2, David said this, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. I have no good apart 
from you. See, they were catching something. See, it would be presumptuous not to thank God for His gifts. Psalm 103 verse 2 says, forget not all His benefits. But it would be idolatry to call the happiness we get from them love for God. Psalm 42, 1 and 2, it says, As the deer pants for the water, so my soul pants for you, O Lord. I'm just trying to show you David's heart. I hope you're catching it. <laughs> Psalm 63, verse 1 and 2 says, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water, so I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. Ooh. I think he was in love with God. I think he was in love with who God was. I think he wasn't just a man... He was passionate about being obedient. He was passionate about loving God, the person. We ask ourselves sometimes this question, and a lot of people in church today, we have these desires and things that we want to do in our lives. And Lord, I want to be a very good plumber. I want to be the best plumber that I can. And, and uh, oh, I want to be the best accountant, and I want to be involved with the best firm, and and really, I want to become a CEO and what have you. And, and I go to a good university and I go to some good jobs and some good companies that will be great for my CV that will get me there. And then I encounter God. And now He becomes my source for me to become the best CEO and the best um, person that I can be in my life. That is not the gospel. Just because you change source. See, David understood that. Because it's not about your desires, your plans, and your purposes. It's about Him. It's about loving Him above everything else. Because when I love Him, my desires, my plans, and my purposes, and everything else changes. I don't need to be the CEO. I just need to be in his presence. I need to be with him. I need to be where he is, whatever that means. And what was so powerful is that David ended up being king. But do you know from the time he was anointed, the time he became part king, which was Hebron, he was anointed the king of Judah, it was 14 years. What causes a man to have ups and downs, disappointments, all things over 14 years and never lose this desire? It took another seven years after Hebron to Jerusalem. 21 years after he was anointed 
before he could actually set up the temple and the presence of the Lord. But he never, ever lost that heart desire. In 21 years, I can tell you for me, even in my journey, but I can tell you for many today, if God doesn't come through for them in one year, two years, three years, maybe they are five years, whoo, I'm going to find another direction for my life. Friends, the Bible says in the last days, many, the love of many will grow cold. Because they will not have this as the core reason for gathering. Friends, people come and go in the life of churches because they do not have this core understanding. No, those people didn't love me. The worship was good, but it's not so good anymore. They've got a new worship leader. Mm. Not so good. Eh? Plays a lot on the guitar. And <laughs> sings very high. <laughs> I love singing high, so it's really cool. Damon sings very high. <laughs> I have to take my belt. <laughs> but it's anointed, and that's what counts. Amen? We come because we gathered for his presence to put him in the center. And Lord, you placed me here, and I don't really care if they like me or don't like me. You place me here. You in the center of my life. I do whatever you tell me to do. I'm after you, Lord. I want to worship you. I want you to be, I want to eat from you. I want you to be there all the days of my life. I want you to be so exalted that I, everything else is irrelevant, actually. Just, I'm so thirsty for you, Lord. You, you, that's why I fall back always is, is the Holy Spirit. Lord, what are you saying? What are you wanting me to do? I shared this. Can I share this? This is a cracker. Connor will. I shared this with, with Jane. Um, oh, should I share this? Lord. Yeah, I'm teasing you. No, no, but I must just be obedient. I was with Jane. Um, just being very honest now, we, were, we went out to uh, the street tree. Grant's Pausey, no, um, um, and uh, thereby a lifestyle, and we were sitting having, having breakfast, and um, we finished breakfast, the wait, waiter came around, and a waitress came around, and um, we were just looking at, obviously going to pay the bill, and you know, you work it out, roughly what's 10%, and you have this like wave of Pharisee come over you, and, um, <laughs> and you think, just add another 10 or 20 bucks, you know, these people, it's, their, it's how they earn their living. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, why do you find it so easy? To give a waitress way more than 10%, but you find it so hard to give me 10%. See, one... I can see what they're doing. It's me doing it. And one is of faith. There's always law and there's grace. There's always two trees. You can only serve one master. 
There's always two masters. There are two friends. You can only be friends with one of them. To be friends with the world is to be an enemy of God. These are all not to make us all heavy and go, now, oh, I'm going to, and now I'm going to go, oh, God, forgive me, I did it again, whatever. It's to put him at the center. David messed up, he'd come straight back and put him back at the center. So God, to you I've sinned. No, there's nothing. Do not cast me out of your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. You can do whatever you want. I've fallen to the mercy of God. I say, I would rather fall to the mercy of God than man. Man is wicked. I run and I fall into the mercy of God. And listen, David had some tough clubs. But he'd rather fall there because he said, whatever you do, don't, don't stop me from being able to come in and sit there and talk to you. If we got a revelation, a reality, this is where God, this is the temple, this is the place where Holy Spirit is ministering and moving, whatever we would say, listen, it's not so easy to, to leave and to stay at home. You go, oh, but we're also the temple ourselves. Yeah. But that's the reason why God created families, because we need one another, because we're not always on top of our game. So it's much easier for us to just go, oh, no, I don't feel like it. But then I, I, I get and I go there, and when I'm there, the presence of the Lord is there, and I've got people that God has blessed and gifted with different, that enables me to come and to just encounter and to have that place. And then I begin to speak, because in the natural, um, that's beautiful, people can understand what I'm saying, but I begin to speak in my heavenly language, because now I'm beginning to move into that realm. That's why we sing in tongues, by the way. Um, and, and I'm in this heavenly realm, and, and then as I'm singing in tongues and speaking in tongues, the Bible says that I edify my spirit. See, these aren't all nice little words. This is actually what's happening. We are strengthening ourselves. We're edifying our spirit, man. We're getting strong in the Lord. We're getting ready for whatever God's got for us. I've gone sidetracked. Oh. See, only God will satisfy a heart like David's. And David was a man after God's own heart. That's how every single one of us were created to be. This is what it actually means to love God. To love God means obedience. It means believing His Word. It means thanking Him. But in everything, it means enjoying and admiring all of Him and who He is more than anything else. Oh, I got too many notes. I wanted to talk about meekness, but I won't. Because one of the characteristics of a heart after God is meekness. In Matthew 5, verse 5, which is just a copy of Psalm 37, verse 11, um, which is a psalm that David wrote, is the meek shall inherit the earth. And Jesus said in, in Matthew eleven twenty nine, Come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Learn from me, I am meek. Gentle and humble of heart. Ephesians 4 verse 2, Colossians 3 verse 12, it all says we clothe ourselves with what? Meekness and humility. 
And even in James 3.13, it talks about the meekness of wisdom. You cannot have wisdom without meekness. Meekness and wisdom go together. Guess what? Wisdom is not just about intellect. It's also about a heart. A heart of meekness. David had a heart after God. It was humble and it was meek. He would surrender. Meekness, friends, is not somebody who's got a personality type. Not somebody who's quiet. Not somebody who, who just um, uh, just sits there and because this is meekness isn't about me having an opinion and uh, and just um, I'll just be quiet, whatever. But don't touch my opinion. That's not being meek. Meek is being able to surrender your opinion to truth. That's David. David was a strong man, strong opinionated man, had many thoughts and ideas, but he would come to that place always where we would just surrender to the Lord. And Jesus, not my will, but your will, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth. See, David, first and foremost, was a priest, and then he was a king. Jesus was a priest king. We are called to be priest king. Our first port of call is to be a priest before the Lord and then to be a king. In your business, in any sphere that you're in, your first place is to be a priest. Your second place is in the marketplace as a king. Amen. So maybe we'll, we'll, we'll see how we unpack that a little bit. All I, I wanted to maybe encourage us with this morning is, is us gathering together, um, worshipping Him and, uh, and uh, lifting up His name together is all part of this unfolding restoration of David's tabernacle of the church being that place where God is going to encounter Man and man encounters God, and it's, it's, it's where he can come and dwell in his temple. All throughout through history, that it's culminating in this point right now. As the church, as we gather together, the church is not playing games anymore. The church, the true church of Jesus Christ, the church that Jesus is building, is coming together so that it can be a place of encounter, a place where Holy Spirit can move, where Holy Spirit has the freedom. Go and refresh your guys on the five pillars of 24-7 church, where the Holy Spirit now has freedom to go and to minister in and through our lives, where the gifts begin to operate, where God can begin to express and to flow uh, through our lives. That is the restoration of David's tabernacle. The only way that can fully happen is if you understand grace and the salvation of Jesus Christ, because you need to be able to boldly come into His presence. Amen. So you've got to understand grace as well to understand this. They come together. Salvation and the gospel comes together. And it will culminate. Can I just drop this out just for fun and just say this to you? It will culminate at the end of time that you will see that Jerusalem will come down. The new Jerusalem will come down. And guess what the dimensions of new Jerusalem is? It's a cube. Where's the only other reference in the whole of the Bible that's a cube? The Holy of Holies. And then the Bible says, go and read it, Revelations 21, that's why we're doing Revelations. The Bible says, 
that there is no temple there. Why is there no temple there? Because we're all in, and God is the temple. We're all in the Holy of Holies. We're all together, one people now, in that place where we are fully surrounded, encountering Him all the time, living in His place. Right now, our best we can do is, is to be this... And people use weird words, and that's just the prophetic. It's just wonderful. It's weird, though. Um, is they use portals and things. I think they've watched too many, um, yeah, <laughs> ship enterprise, whatever. But anyway, uh, beam me down, Scotty, or beam me up, or do whatever you want to do. The, uh, what, what we're just simply talking about is there's just two realms. One realm I can't really see. That's not weird. It's, just, it's actually a realm from where I'm, I'm from. I'm just a pilgrim and it's a journey here. I'm going home. It's my home. So right now, I just connect with the Lord because the Lord is spirit. And I connect with Him and, and, and then from that realm, God begins to move. And in that realm, there are these amazing, um, wonderful beings called angels. And angels begin to come, begin to minister in this realm. And don't be surprised. And then people go like, oh, I saw an angel. That's wonderful. God was able to open your spiritual eyes so you could see the angels. And some of the guys even got to see angels physically. But it's not weird. It's just when the presence of the Lord comes and this becomes a place where, where the two realms meet and where God begins to move. Amen? Why am I sharing this? I'm sharing this, church, because don't freak out and don't get scared when God begins to move as we begin to, to um, put Him in His rightful place as Lord. So when you get born again, it's true being born again, He becomes Lord. So He becomes back into the center. I eat from one tree and one tree only. That's the tree of life. Comes back in the center place and begins to move and to minister. Angels begin to be dispatched. Angels begin to minister. God begins to do amazing things. He's doing things with people's lives. If you had to read all about the stories of people that, caught hold of this and encountered him. They did amazing and wonderful things. It was crazy. The enemy just tried to counterfeit all that so we get scared of all that. Ooh, that's terrible. And then he thinks, we, as long as you keep them working hard to earn this, keep them working, keep them. And, and, and Jesus is saying, no, I, I am everything that you need. I am your wisdom. I am your righteousness. Amen. So we stand. <laughs> So I don't even know what the time is, but forgive me if I have gone a little bit over. And I kicked into my default, which is to teach, but I do believe that there was such a tenderness and a sensitivity to the presence of the Lord this morning, even as Connor was sharing, um, that God is so after us and encountering us. And I, I, I want you to know that, that He loves you so very, 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 very much. And, and the whole of history actually has been unfolding and this whole plan has been working through different people's lives so that He could encounter you. Because you mean that much to Him. Every single one of us means that much to God. That he would shift, move, put things in place throughout history so that we would come to a place where we would be gathered in this 354B 
of Spionkop Road for such a time as this. That he would begin to all together begin to unravel and explain the mysteries of the Word of God. That he's restoring you as an individual. He's restoring the tabernacle. He's restoring the temple. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he's bringing all these temples together as living stones to form a greater and bigger temple. Because one can put a thousand, but two can put a heck of a lot more to flight. And so I pray today, Lord God, that this is not some nice little words and all that. I pray that this would actually hit our hearts. That this is not games. We're very serious, Lord God. When we gather together, the reason why we, we, we want to come, the reason why we've been stirred up at this time to come and to gather is because, Lord, we, we are committed today before you to say, Lord, we, like David, search me, O God, and know my heart. Know our hearts today, Lord God. See if there's anything that has tried to creep in that wants to dethrone or that's been enthroned in my life in the center. Because you, Father God, are looking for worshipers. Worshipers who worship in spirit. Worshipers who placed you at the very core and center of their garden. Worshippers whose desire, whole desire, is not to get, is not to use you as the source to fulfill all their plans and purposes. Their whole desire is to love you, minister to you, to enjoy you, to get to know you. See, David's heart wasn't just obedience because he also wanted to know God. So he, the reason why David obeyed is because he knew God. He knew the reason why God asked to do that. That's because we just want to know you, Lord. We want to know you more. So we come today before you, Lord. And maybe if you want to, if you're comfortable, just lift your hands before the Lord. And we ask, Lord God, that, that you would come by your Holy Spirit, even right now. That you would come and begin to pour in. Pour in your oil and your wine, Lord. Pour it in. Because we yield as temples to you, Holy Spirit, that you are the center. That you would fill, that you would lead. We yield and surrender as living temples this morning to you, Holy Spirit.